0: Good morning, my name is Dwayne and I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, every time I listen to songs like that, honest songs, difficult songs, art in general, it reminds me that we don't live our faith out in the sanitized spaces of church, we live out our faith in the trenches, we live out our faith in the difficult places in the world. And earlier this week, Frank and I were looking at this song and deciding how we should present it. And we were listening to it on YouTube with an artist who was singing it. And he told other stories about what actually happened that day. And there was one of the stories where the Germans actually tossed their shovels out of the trenches. And then the British tossed their shovels out of the trenches. And they, they crept up and they carefully came out. And they gave permission for them to go and retrieve and bury their dead. And so it's just important, I think, to remember that, that this wasn't this pretty little field that they played soccer in. It was this messy, beat-up, mud-filled place that had chunks of dirt, chunks of metal, and chunks of people scattered everywhere. I remember when I was in the military and I was watching the one of the best philosophers, Rowan Atkinson, as he portrayed life through the character of Black Adder. And yes, I'm a Black Adder fan, you can forgive me later. And of course, the character of those, if you don't know Black Adder, he goes from this high-ranking person and, and through history, and he's this very high-ranking but rather dumb person. And it finishes with him as a, as a lower-ranking aristocrat, as a captain in the armed forces in World War I. And he's putting underwear on his head and shoving pencils up his nose to avoid having to go over the top. And he just makes an absolute fool of himself trying to convince everyone he's crazy, which is interesting, because earlier in the series, he really is crazy. But by the gets to this point, he's actually just a regular bloke In the very last scene of Black Adder is the whistle blowing and the troops going over the top. And then it fades to black and my friend and I, both officers in the military, just sat there in silence. You see, we desperately need peace. See, we're not in conflict in our place here, but conflict is around the world. Conflict exists in our families. Conflict exists in our workplaces. Conflict exists in so many of those places that God has placed us. And where we don't necessarily have to figure out how to bury our dead, we do live in a world with just the scattered remains of people who are just falling to a place in a context in our world where it's just getting harder and harder and harder to maintain peace. It reminds me of another story. It's another exile story. Which calls our attention to the idea of peace. Now, the word shalom in Hebrew. Which is this idea of, of peace. But not just peace with myself. Or peace as in an absence of conflict. It's actually about a restoration of relationship. Peace with God. Peace with my brother and sister. Peace with myself and peace with the earth. The Greek word is irene. It comes from the root Iro, And it actually is a state of wholeness and security. And it actually embraces both a physical and a spiritual context. It relates to individuals and communities, and you could say it this way to join or tie together into a whole. And so, the story that Frank sang about this morning, the story of these deeply conflicted sides, is stepped up over the top, and for a moment in time, they managed peace. But of course, we know that that was about 6 months into a conflict that lasted 4 years and they tore the land and the people and the economies apart and laid waste to a way of life that we still suffer from today Ezekiel had a vision and his was also a vision of this vast field of battle and God brought him to this place. But this particular battle, there hadn't been a moment of peace. There hadn't been a chance for shovels to get tossed out of trenches and people to walk out and bury their dead. Now these bones that were left behind were dry and parched. And Ezekiel writes, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. He's confronted with total death He is looking out at the fallen who weren't even given a proper burial. He is looking at a people who have been utterly destroyed and He knows, He knows who these people are. They're God's people. They've been cursed. They've been destroyed for their sin. The covenant has been broken and the death has occurred in the nation of Israel. And sin's destructive power has taken root And it's been most felt on this personal level where human lives have been destroyed. And in the midst of that, God asks this question. Son of man, can these bones live? That's an interesting question. And I think Ezekiel responds with a brilliant answer. He says, only you know, Lord. He's kind of pushing the ball back into God's court. He wants to say, Lord, only you can make a difference here. I know you can, but I don't know if you will. And I can relate to that myself, where there's moments where I know God can bring peace. I know God can bring restoration, but I don't know if he will. Because only God can produce life. Only God can bring the miracle that can raise people from the dead. God says to Ezekiel, speak the message. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life, stood up on their feet, a great army. And this miracle happens. Ezekiel's called to speak a word. He just speaks a word. Because that's faith. He just exercises faith in this simple obedience. And he needed that faith. He needed God to speak to him, he needed God to tell him what to do. And so Ezekiel prophesies. He preaches to the dead, and that's all he does. It's not magic. He just spoke ordinary words. He didn't come up with some secret incantation. He didn't conjure up something with tricks. It's just the living power of the living God that comes into the moment. It invades this valley of the shadow of death, and life returns. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you. And you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. This is the people of Israel. They're basically the walking dead. They've lost hope. They're living in the context of Babylon. And they literally, at this point in time, think they've been utterly cursed. These feelings are summed up in lament. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. And it's in the midst of those fears. It's in the midst of that reality. It's in the midst of the lament. Where they know they've been utterly disconnected from God. They are are not at peace with Yahweh. And it's into that message that God comes with this word of hope. And we need to be careful here. This word of hope isn't about some future recreation of Israel. We, of course, are post-resurrection people. So we hear this story and we immediately think God's talking about raising up the people at the end of days. That's not the context that these vision people would have heard. They would have heard this vision. They would have heard this teaching. And they wouldn't have thought immediately about a bodily resurrection. They would have been thinking, can God bring life out of death? Because we are a people living in death. You see, the main point here is that God was bringing hope to a people who were still living and not already dead. They were the dry bones. They were scattered. They were just baking under the heat. And they needed a hope that said God is still on the throne. And God still has a purpose. And so God comes into that moment to a living people. And raises them up. And gives them life once again. Now, for us, of course, we can follow the theological chain and we do see in the risen Christ that it is fulfilled. But we can't miss that this was a message for a living people in the midst of a desperate time. You see, universally, I think there's a spiritual condition that we all share. Paul reminds us in Ephesians that all of us are dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live. When we followed the ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air. In many ways, we're kind of like the people of Israel. By nature, we're cut off from God and His life-giving presence. Subjectively, we might actually feel that life is good. Some of us, before we come into a relationship with Christ, could be living the high life. Some of us might be in a point where life is so desperate and despair has, has crept in and we just simply cannot see hope in the world. But objectively, we're equally dead. No matter what our reality is. It's in the midst of this that Jesus took on that death. Allowed Himself to be born. Allowed Himself to live through life. Allowed Himself to be raised up on a cross. Allowed Himself to become that death for us. And to show us that God has a plan to raise us up into new life. Just like the dry bones in Ezekiel's visions did not remain dead. Christ did not remain dead and broken in a tomb. His resurrection shows us that our sins are forgiven and we no longer need to be those dry bones. We can be living, breathing, spirit-infused children of God that walk as restored and renewed people. Because the vision of Ezekiel is a reality for us today. This is a message of hope. It's also a message of peace. You see, Jesus brings good news to humanity, and it's a message for the living and not the dead. There are seasons in our lives where we can feel like dry bones. Seasons of adjustment and transition. Seasons of exhaustion where nothing goes right. There can even be seasons where nothing is wrong in our lives. In fact, there's so much good in our lives, but the reality of uncertainty and change and transition can leave us feeling like our reserves have been entirely tapped. Stress comes in. It could be a new job. It could be having a baby. It could be retirement, building a house, getting married, contributing to life, And so we can't actually say, this is what's wrong. And we feel a little guilty going to our friends and family, our brothers and sisters and saying, yeah, everything's great. But we still feel like dry, parched, leached bones. I was sharing with someone earlier this week that my own life, as I've transitioned from place to place, It can feel like I've fallen through the the floorboards and I'm stuck in the cracks, that liminal space in between where the world is passing me by and I feel utterly forgotten and lost. And yet on the surface, everything looks great. Of course, if you're in a time of trial and tribulation, you're just getting leached. I would argue that we've all been in 21 months of constant transition, change, and pivoting. I know some of us are feeling like those dry bones. But this is the message of Ezekiel where hope is faded, where conflict exists, where death reigns, where everything seems lost, or nothing's going wrong, but I still feel terrible. It's here where Jesus enters and brings new life. Where he brings shalom, where he brings peace, where he brings restoration. And peace can rise. People living a lifeless existence find peace from the experience of desolation and discouragement. Our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. And in this moment, a word of peace comes in like a flood of fresh spring rain. This is the faith we need, and so we preach. We preach to the dead. We preach to the lonely. We preach to the tired. We preach of the promise of breath and life, of flesh and skin, and of the knowledge of Jesus Christ who was our Lord and Giver of life. And we speak with ordinary words. There's no magic, no secret incantations, no tricks. Just the living power of the living God invading our dark valleys. And like Ezekiel, we are the channel through which God speaks and brings His power to the still living and not yet dead. This is the restoration that God has for His people this is where we find hope. This is where we find peace. The joining together into united and transformed people. And I don't know about you, but I actually see this as very good news. Jesus is here with a message of hope and peace for the living And not the dead. It's a message that Jesus brings in to this place. And says, I've died for you. It's a message that no matter what you're experiencing. No matter where you're at. No matter what life has served to you there's hope and there's peace. My prayer is that this peace can come this Advent season and for all of us to sense peace rising up within us. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we come to your table. Lord, I would ask that you would give us a sense of that restoration piece. Lord, thank you for these amazing stories from Scripture that remind us that You you love us so deeply. That the the, the gulf that existed between us and You that we couldn't cross was crossed with the coming of Your Son. The One we call Prince of Peace. Lord, in this day and this time where there's so much conflict, I'd ask, Lord, that you would bring your peace, infuse your peace into every area of our lives. May we be a people of peace. Lord, thank you for songs like Frank sang this morning, where there are those moments of peace. But Lord, we ask that we wouldn't descend back into conflict, that your peace would come and remain in our hearts, and flow out of us to influence others. May we be known as ones who just bring calm. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Son. For the gift of peace. We ask that you would bless us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.